You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Believe After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Believe After Show. What's going on, guys? You are watching the Believe After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV of episodes one and two. We went back in time a little bit since we started late on the Believe After Show. We wanted to give you guys the first four episodes, so this show covers episodes one and two. And I am Bobby DeMuro, joined by the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing, the talented, the smart, the intelligent, the witty, stop, the funny, stop. and the awesome. I'm blushing. I'm Courtney Henderson, guys. Thanks so much for watching. And a procedural note, Kate Aquilano is not with us for 1 and 2 today, or 3 and 4, but good news, she will be with us the rest of the season. We didn't kick her off. We wanted to, but the producer said we had to keep her. Speak for yourself. I love her. (laughs) She is pretty great. She will be with us back uh, on the normal episodes when we do episode 8 next week. All right, let's get into 1 and 2 now, Courtney. Um, Well, the first scene of episode 1. Can I nerd out on it a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so before the show actually aired, uh, I did a little digging because I really like J.J. Abrams. And then, of course, Alfonso, who created the show, won a a Grammy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Won an Oscar for Gravity. I was saying, I I can't. (laughs) So much for geeking out. uh, What's in that mug you're drinking there? (laughs) Diet Coke. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's all. Just Coke. (laughs) No, so... uh, Alfonso is known for his long, continuous shots. And I watched a little kind of inside look on the website for Believe about the show, getting excited for it, waiting for the premiere. And they talk about how he's known for that and that we'll get to see some of that in this. And this opening scene is exactly that. And in that in that filmmaking cinematic way does not disappoint. No, the car ride is phenomenal. It's creepy. It's... It's it, it, it is movie like. It's not a television scene. That's a movie kind of a scene that you would watch, and it's a little weird, and then a little scary, and then a little horrifying, and then a little confusing. Why is this woman breaking these people's necks? What is going on with this girl? What's she going to do to the girl? Great opening scene, right? Yeah, you're hooked. You're hooked. You're definitely hooked. And then from there we go to scene number two, which is even better because Winter. We don't know his name is Winter at the time. He's pretending to be a preacher winter goes into death row in this very intimidating looking prison goes to tate again we don't know at the time his name is tate or anything of his story and winter helps him escape a very creepy scene very very well done and two scenes in to believe and i'm like okay i'm still here now we're talking yeah i love i love when they show uh, winter and tate in the cell and he's got the beads because we see channing and the other teammates in the van, you know, watching for, waiting for the keywords and the little, you know, safe codes or whatever, so that they know when to take action, that everything is actually going according to plan to get Tate out. And he's, you know, she's like, oh, easy on the beads, because he's like, that's clearly the microphone. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than having, like, that nails on a chalkboard kind of a sound right in your ear. No, it's definitely bad. And that whole – obviously, folks who have been watching Believe, as we have for the last seven episodes, uh, know Winter's M.O. and know that Winter hasn't always been on top of his game. But in this first scene, when we very first meet Winter, he's got everything planned out to a T. That thing works perfectly. He's got the guards on his side. He gets Tate to hit a guard so it looks like Tate escaped differently. He goes down into the you know sewer or whatever it is and gets out of there. That's an amazingly done escape for a death row prisoner who was literally on his deathbed about to die. Yeah, he, um, minutes. Yeah. So Yeah, Winter should have been the, the uh, priest who was reading him his last rites, and instead he's freeing him completely from prison. And we free him, and then Tate goes out and learns on the airplane ride a little bit of what's going on and what he's supposed to do. And he ends up having to uh, deal with Bo and meet Bo and eventually, essentially, I can't talk either, break <laughs> Bo out of her own prison, which is the hospital that she is in. Um, that first meeting with Bo and Tate didn't really... Uh, didn't really go so well, though. There was a little tension between the two of them. Well, yeah, I mean, the very first moments where Bo's still asleep were very tender. And, you know, we see, oh, I can't think of names, Winter. Winter later on acknowledges, you know, that first moment. And he wasn't even there because he just knows how people react to Bo. Probably much like he, when he met Nina. When Winter met Nina, you know, it was sort of that same feeling that, people have when they meet Bo, and so he just knew, especially having that inside scoop of who Tate really is to Bo, being her dad, that he felt something. And we see that blue butterfly fly in and land on the glass, and they make kind of a thing of that, that to make sure you notice that that happens. Yeah. And then Bo wakes up, and you know, as soon as she wakes up, yeah, they're just right off off to the races with the the banter. They're fast friends. And and at this point we already know Bo is special for two reasons. The EKG machine at the hospital or the MRI machine or whatever it was that she completely shut down just pretty much with her mind. Mm -hmm. And then that Dr. Terry, that young doctor, Bo, you know, kind of consoles him on the loss of a patient and it's like how would you know the doctor lost a patient? Well, trust me, Bo knows. Absolutely. And then she's bringing up Senga. Well, listen, before we get to Senga, we do meet the most important character of the entire show, the entire series in that hospital, too. It's our favorite guy. It's Stanley the Turtle. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Stanley. He's not, he's not the most important. But, I mean, there the, starts with Stanley the Turtle because in a second in this episode, he's going to come into play because he's going to get Bo in some trouble. But Tate goes, tries to take Bo out of the hospital as discreetly as he can, knowing that, hey, he's an escaped fugitive as far as the law is concerned. Um, and he runs into one of... Scorus's henchmen, and we start learning a little bit about Scorus. Women, henchwomen. Bo has to make that clarification to Tate because he's trying to get it off like he didn't get beat up by a girl. What if I always? I'm just keeping you honest, just like Bo's keeping Tate honest. What if I always said about guys? We're like ten year olds. You have to correct us all the time, okay? (laughs) Tate, me, whoever. We're just a bunch of ten year olds. It doesn't matter. Fair Um, enough. But okay, hench women, although she's not really that good at what she does. For a no. second, she's intimidating, and, and it's kind of difficult. But it turns out, you know, she's not actually the best, and we will see more hench men later. Um, but they get out of the hospital, and they end up getting on the bus. And this is where 
that Tate and Bo decision-making really starts and the things that we've seen over the next episodes really begins because neither one of them knows what to do. Neither one of them is particularly good at what they are doing, nor should they be expected to be. It's a very unique situation, but Bo ends up escaping from Tate. He doesn't know how to kind of corral her. Everything just kind of goes exactly opposite of plan. And when they eventually get to the safe house, the henchwoman follows them and everything is still way out of whack. And she almost kills Tate until... Bo reveals some more of her powers. Yes. The birds. And, and I love those birds because I don't know if anybody else caught this. I'm sure somebody else caught this because if I did, that means lots of people could. <laughs> but when they walk into the safe house, uh, a bird craps on Tate's shoulder. Yep. And I just, I, it's just one of those where it's like, the guy's already like iffy if he's like going to stay and be a part of this and kind of help. I think because he, at that moment, also doesn't really understand, A, the severity of the situation, you know, kind of that there isn't really another option for him, you know. And he kind of bugs me a little bit in this because we don't, like, he was about to be killed, you know. And and it's like, yeah, you know, how long is this job? How many weeks is this job? And it's like, weeks, months, years? Okay, you know. It's like, dude, you were going to be dead. So any time alive you get, like, any beer you drink, any smile you have, any breath you take, it's like... You kind of do owe it. Yeah, that's true. But remember, he also doesn't know the extent of his relationship with Bo. Well, that's what I mean. He doesn't. Yeah. Know, he doesn't know the extent of it. But you could still be grateful to be alive. Yeah, for sure. But but again, in this situation, as Tate will come to question in the next couple episodes, is it worth it to be alive, or would it be more better to just go back to prison and die because you know you're going to be safe there, as opposed to running from everybody all the time? Yeah. And he almost does get shot by this henchwoman until Bo reveals her power, which. Was interesting to have. It was kind of a little Alfred Hitchcock birds type of thing going on to have her surrounded by birds. But Tate does end up getting away, thankfully. And we know not only what Bo is capable of a little bit, we also know how serious Scurus is about bringing Bo back if he's willing to kill other people. Because that henchwoman killed a couple people downstairs in the safe house on their team. On their team and was on her way to and was you know a second away from killing Tate. Well, and the thing that's so interesting is you know because we've talked about. And you watch, you know, and there's safe house after safe house after safe house. And this property, the reason that that henchwoman was even able to get to them was because, you know, some of the IT with orchestra were able to track down and find out that this was the last property, this warehouse that they're at was the last property that Winter bought before he died. So we also now know that Winter has, like, framed his own death. Yeah. Because clearly he's alive and well because he plays the priest, etc. You know, so to me, I'm just sort of like, that just seems like... To be so good and, you know, down to the details about everything else, for for that to be such an easy thing for them to find out, yes, it was a year before, so you think, okay, maybe that's long enough, but but he, he was partners with Scorus. He should have known that that location could be easily found out if it's in your name. Well, and with all the assets and all the tools Scorus has at his disposal... Looking up real estate records is like, you know, it takes him two seconds to do yeah. it. So, yes, I agree completely. It's not the tu- it's not the toughest thing he's going to do. You and I could find that on Google. Probably. <laughs> Probably. So, but in, in the chaos, Tate does get shot at one point and wounded. And Bo ends up taking him to a surprise destination, the doctor. We see the doctor again, Dr. Terry. And this sort of establishes the first person on a lot of different levels in every episode almost that Bo is going to help a random person or a random group of mm-hmm. people. And Dr. Terry is the first one because but he has been... Go ahead. They're not random. No, Bo, they're not Bo random. says there's no coincidence. To us, they're random. Well, yes. Yeah. 
But, or, you know, a new guest star, I guess yes, I should yes, say. Yes, yes, um, But uh, I completely forgot where my train of thought was going. That was my whole point. <laughs> I just wanted to get a word in. <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, but we learned that Dr. Terry is questioning medicine, questioning practicing, questioning going through his rotations. Mm-hmm. And Bo's help for him is his father and his father who is in a coma or is in very serious health at his home. And Bo says, you know, your father is proud of you. Your father loves what you're doing. He loves you. Terry needed to hear that, and Bo kind of brings him back to medicine to say, hey, mm-hmm. you're doing the right thing by being in medicine. Don't quit. Yeah, well, and I love it, and we'll, you know, see a pattern as as episodes go on, but when Bo was telling him all of those things, she was holding his dad's hand. And so I feel like there's something about, there's some significance to that that allows her to feel you know, thoughts and emotions from the people that she's around, you know, when she's you know holding them and kind of in that more intimate setting with them. Which is my one big question with the show that I haven't really understood with the first several episodes, especially when Bo touches somebody, she learns about them. We'll see it in this episode. We'll see it in the next one. We'll see it a few more down the road and we talk about it. And yet Bo and Tate hold hands, you know, her and Tate physically touch each other all the time. How come she doesn't learn Tate's story as well as she learns all these seemingly random people's stories? I think, I mean, first opinion right out the gate is that she's not trying to help him. Not that she doesn't want to help him, but it's, you know, she's she knows that this person needs help. She feels it. And I think that it's not until, you know, later again, the episode where she does help Tate and let him go that, you know, it's sort of, it's like it has its moment and it she knows with these this power when and who to help because she feels it and then she has to take the further step to actually go hold their hand and get to know them or or touch them you know on the shoulders or wherever it is and and then that's how she finds it out and so there's been no motivation for her to need to help Tate yet yeah and I think that's why um because otherwise I mean the, the sensory overload that she would have and sort of the you know, the emotional overload of taking anyone's burdens that she just touched, you know, I mean, it would, it would honestly probably kill her. No, I think it would. And I don't know if it would, I don't know, maybe it would physically kill her, but I think it would also just completely kill her emotional life to have to live the burden of every single person she comes into contact with. And I, I do agree with you on that. I just wonder, Tate is so integral to her and so central to her life. How come she can't touch him and learn his story and say, oh, damn, you're my dad. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I don't know. Or or maybe she just doesn't want to. Maybe part of that is the manifestation on her end, which she has to want to help people, and she doesn't want to help Tate on that level. Yet. I don't know. Um, but with Dr. Terry, reason we're talking about the touching, because she touches him and learns all this and then touches his father and learns all that. Um, she keeps talking about Senga, Senka. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cool Runnings. Not for a long time. Our engineer, Roya, is, sh- is shaking her head. She's like, yes, I have. It is a great movie. That's right. Greatest movie ever. But there is a character in that movie named Senka. And every time she said, you're going to help a girl named Senga, you're go- she's going to be a singer, you're going to help Senga, I was like, we might see Dougie Fresh today. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, I mean, maybe that's but we didn't. But stupid. We didn't. That was a bad joke. I, wait- I laughed. Way too long of a setup and not really that good of a punchline. I'm sorry. but well, we- Forgiven. <laughs> Thank you. We do see Sanga. It is actually Agnes. And that's a great shot and a great kind of feel-good thing near the end of this episode where he helps this girl. She's getting better. She's playing the song. He walks out, sees in the mirror that the get-well Agnes turns around, and Agnes is actually Sanga. Yeah. Awesome. Well, And I love that 
that Bo got it wrong but right because she, you know, she's saying Senga because that's how she sees it. And I love exactly. that, that we see the process of her and her powers where, you know, it is a puzzle. It is sort of pieced together. It's not something that just sort of like zap and it's done and like all the information is there. Yeah, she doesn't know. those would be know. really boring episodes if in one fell swoop she got all of the information to get them to safety. No, you're exactly right. You she doesn't I mean? know the entire story. She just knows what she sees, which is just one person's point of view. It's the equivalent of she basically is just in that room on some level. She doesn't know in your head. She doesn't know everything. She just sees what she sees in the room. And even though she knows a little more than we do, she still has to figure out the puzzle herself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then we move into episode two. Like we mentioned, guys, we're going to be doing kind of two episodes in one. And before we move into episode two, I should remind you, if you are listening on iTunes or watching us on YouTube or either or both or whatever, hit subscribe on your respective uh, media channel of choice so you guys can follow us every week on Believe. And more broadly, you can follow AfterBuzz TV and everything that we do because, oh, yeah, we do about 7,000 shows a week. I'm only exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, we do uh, around probably 70 I mean, 7,000 was an exaggeration. But there's a ton. Every show you've ever watched, pretty much, we do a ton of them. So hit subscribe. You can follow everything on AfterBuzz or AfterBuzzTV.com. All right. Let's move into this second episode because they're on the bus. Bo's taking a nap. They're going to Philadelphia. They're moving to another safe house. Lo and behold, this is a common theme of the first few episodes. A lot of safe houses. Yes. And the police stop them because... Oh, I don't know. There's a convicted felon and a missing little girl on this bus. And as the police are going through, we see another one of Bo's powers, which is she sticks the police car in neutral and it starts rolling down the hill. Yep. Um, One thing I've noticed about Bo's powers, and it is obvious, but it's also noteworthy enough we should talk about it. She has the ability to use those powers to kill people, as we will see other people with the powers do later on, or to wipe out memories and to do terrible things. She uses hers in more of a playful way way and she's obviously helping herself with them but rolling the police car down the hill is mischievous it's not murder you know she's not not malicious exactly she's not hurting anybody she's not physically harming anybody she's just kind of getting people out of her well and she gets after tate when he kind of jokes or talks about anything doing anything wrong Mm -hmm. she doesn't she's not okay with that you know um but i it's hard because in the circumstances that she's put in so often you know, right and wrong becomes kind of blurry because, as we know from the first episode, all of the money that Winter had set aside and given to Tate to take care of her, they lose in the safe house because they have to flee too quickly and Tate, what about the cash? And he's like, For- forget about it, dude, you know, Winter. You know, and so now we know they're on this bus to Philly and, you know, it gets stopped, like you said. They're looking for exactly who's on it, Tate and Bo. And she helps them. But, I mean, they have, what, $120 to their name yeah. at that point? Yeah, not a lot. I, and and on this, in this episode, too, we really get to know a little bit more about Scorus and what orchestra is capable of. A little bit. We'll see more later. And we meet this FBI agent, Elizabeth Farrell, who Scorus is working with, but maybe not necessarily totally working with. They have different yeah. goals. Um, but this becomes interesting because Scorus gets Farrell to issue the Amber Alert. And then, really, the heat is on. A nationwide Amber Alert. They can't hide anywhere. Tate ends up having to change his appearance and shave his head and stuff like that. Um, Tate takes her, and I'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on this, to a casino. Mm -hmm. Because he's using her powers, maybe a little maliciously, to gamble. Which, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, you know? Absolutely. I know she can do this, and I know you need money. I understand that, so maybe it wasn't the worst call. But would you have taken Bo to a casino to gamble to get money? 
I mean, if, if it was that or stealing and she's not going to let me steal, absolutely. But, but isn't this stealing? Bobby, I'm from Las Vegas. <laughs> you got to remember. Touche. You got to remember. <laughs> I, gambling's like in my blood. It is in your blood. Okay. That, well, you know what? So. Then I digress. Um, okay. So you take her to the casino. They end up meeting Bonnie, the waitress. Yep. And even when Bo is using her powers, maybe a little under the table bad with this whole gambling idea, she ends up doing something good, which is meeting Bonnie, learning about Bonnie's son, who is sick, and they will eventually help Bonnie later. But I just, if you're at the casino, Tate's decision-making has always come into question for us. Isn't a casino kind of like the least inconspicuous place you could possibly be? There's a lot of cameras there. There's a lot of security. Yes, yes, I agree. I think it was more of a survivor mode than anything. And I just have to acknowledge the fact that Tate kept talking about her parents. And, you know, well, didn't your parents teach you manners? Didn't your parents this or that? You know, because, like, when she's, like, falling asleep on him on the bus or at the casino, you know, she's like, what's a milkshake? He's like, go get yourself a milkshake. She doesn't know what a milkshake is. (laughs) You know, and it's just so funny because it's like you're her dad. You know, so every single time you're challenging or questioning the poor parenting she has, it's like, look in the mirror, bro. Which is true. I mean, he's probably, if he had been around for those eight years, nine years, he would have been an awful parent. Let's be honest. Well, yeah. I mean, a good guy with a good heart. But, I yeah. mean, he, he doesn't know what he's doing now. He wouldn't have known what he was doing then. So he is right to question the parenting. Well, true. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, and then, but, but let's talk a little bit about Bonnie because this is uh, maybe the last really good example of Bo's powers besides when she, you know, picks up the taxi. Um, but... It, it, and makes the gun break in episode three. But in this episode, she goes to Bonnie. She uses those powers with Jesse. She helps him literally fly and kind of brings the toys to life. I loved that. Oh, my gosh. I love seeing his... He, he, like, she had Stanley, and he had... Was it Dobson or Dobsey something? I couldn't quite catch the name of I, his elephant. His favorite one. Yeah. And, he, I mean, that little actor, I just... So, just, like, the cutest... Just a touching scene, and, and she I'm gives like, away. I want them to come back. Like I want to see them again. And it's one of those things where there's absolutely no reason that they would ever see each other again. But but when he later is, you know, telling, you know, he's got like all of his little stuffed animals lined up, and he's like telling them about the best play date he ever had, which was clearly with Bo. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, like Bo has to get to come play with you again because. She's your best friend. Well, but the good news is Bo gave them $30,000 for treatments in cash, which Tate wasn't so happy about for a second. Right. But he will get more play dates with other people because theoretically that means he's going to be getting better. Yeah. Exactly. So it does end well for them. Um, it doesn't end so well for Tate and Bo because they keep getting tracked down by Scorus' <laughs> people and the FBI and they have no money still. Tate worked very hard at the casino to make this happen and yeah, lost very, all that money immediately. Yeah, very hard with the hottie on his arm. <laughs> hey, listen, did you think that girl was that hot? No. Oh, wow. I Well, she's blonde. Oh, yeah. I'm biased. Well, I mean, I, I if I were in the casino, I would not have. I would have talked to her. Yeah, you would have. Yeah. Yeah, you would have. For sure. <laughs> You have Vegas well, you in your blood, whatever. Hey, I can, I can, I can get with that. You're allowed to come enjoy Vegas. I, I'm just saying, I can get with that. If there are girls like that and I win thirty grand, okay. But he hadn't kissed anybody in seven years. That's true. See, that's, that, that, that is a huge issue. Is like He's been in prison for seven, eight years. How much of a temptation was that? Not to backtrack too much to the girl, but how much of a temptation was that to leave with the girl and say, forget this, as opposed to going and getting and leaving Bo. It just shows how good of a guy he is. Even even when he doesn't know that he's Bo's dad, he still knows deep down, yeah, I want to leave with this girl. Yeah, I want to do whatever with this money, but I can't. I got to be with this little kid. 
Well, and, and I guess for me, I mean, as far as the girl goes, it's one of those where it's like, if you're the kind of girl that's going to go just like meet up with some stranger who's winning a lot of money at the casino, I mean, come on, you know, like care about yourself more than that. And so wow. I guess that's more what I mean. Like not necessarily physically ugly, but it's just like, I'm just not attracted to somebody like that. I also like men, so. <laughs> wow, just a little, little catty. No, I'm trying to say she should respect herself more. Interesting. Okay, that's no. all I'm trying to say. She's sure. respecting herself. She's going to pay her debts by using the guy's money. That's oh, exactly right. She's respecting herself so much she's going to use him for the money. Now, little does she know he's a convicted murderer who just escaped from death row. But that's minor. Who cares? I mean, we we've all been there. Come on. Nope, I haven't been there. <laughs> well, I guess you. I guess you haven't lived fully in Vegas then. I no, I guess not. I'll have to go back. <laughs> Although this, for the record, this casino was in Atlantic City. Right. But, I mean, same difference. Really. I don't know. I've never been there. It's Atlantic City is pretty insane. Not And not a place you would take a kid like Bo. But, again, you're right. They were totally desperate. He needed money. They didn't know what else to do. I, I think, and I don't think it was wrong. I mean, it's a gamble. And I think that. Literally a gamble. It, it's one of those things where, yeah, they used Bo's powers to get the money. But, I mean, it was the most legal thing that they could do. The be- I mean, I-, I think it was the best option. And I think that going and-, and leaving the girl, the hot girl on his arm, to go get Bo and protect her does show exactly what you were saying. That deep down, he's going to do, he wants to do the right thing, even though at the same time, he might still want to be a little naughty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, at some point, he is going to have to have a release. And I don't mean that. I just metaphorically, he has to do something to have fun because he's been broken out of prison. And every single day is dealing with Bo, dealing with Winter, being on the run. I mean, at some point, he just has to calm down and, like, just give the man a day. But Bo doesn't get a day. Well, Bo doesn't get a day, but Bo's also a little kid who has Stanley the Turtle to play with. And she gets to color in the back of cars. And she gets to have a little bit of little kid fun with play dates like, uh, like Bonnie's son. I mean, give, give the man a day. Remember. Remember what I've been saying the whole time. Us, us men are like 10-year-old boys. Like, we need to be allowed to, like, have fun. Well, I maybe they'll he'll draw with her then. That that actually does sound fun. That would pacify me. So right, maybe well, I'll bring crayons next week. Cool, that'd be great. Okay, <laughs> awesome crayons. I'm in. Um, well, I mean, and the, and the episode pretty much ends, and I'd say pretty much ends. We have a couple big fight scenes where Scorus's men are after Tate and Bo, and then the FBI comes gets after Tate and Bo, and Bo lifts up taxi cab which is interesting and different yeah. um but we're, we see a lot of that in every episode where they're on the run from these people so it's going to end although this is the second episode it's going to end like a lot of episodes in the future will end i guess my other big question is scorus and orchestra we don't know a ton about them right now but we know enough to know they are bad dudes and we also know enough to know that the fbi doesn't totally believe Scorus and what he's doing and what he's going after. And even though they're working with him, they're a little skeptical of him. He's coming across as a bad dude to pretty much everybody he comes into contact with. He's not a nice guy. No, not at all. And I found it really interesting knowing all that about him and having that be 100% how they set him up in this show and his character. Uh, But then he goes and we see at the end, he's actually watching, you know, playback, you know, home videos per se of Winter with Bo. And it's one. Of, it's it's a very actually sentimental, sweet moment between the two of them, where you know we'll see that they do their you know their hand thing with the "I love you" and the and the like you know they hold, squeeze as tight as you can, and he's watching that video of them together. Yeah. And so it's one of those where it's like there's absolutely no information in that video 
for scores to benefit from. I mean, it's not going to give him any insight to her powers. I, you know, it's one of those where it's like, is he just going back and looking at how far they've come? You know, because this is his partner, and now he's no longer in any way a part of Winter and Bo's life, and he wants Bo back. I, I mean, he definitely wants Bo back. She definitely has special powers, even for the group of special people that Orchestra deals with. I think she has more special powers than the rest of them, maybe. Well, um I also think that because Scorus is the one that originally found Nina, Bo's mom, there's there's definitely also maybe a little bit of like a personal attachment to that. That it's, I mean, this is the closest thing to Nina that he has. Yeah. No, I think you're definitely right. And there's something else special about Bo yes. to him. Just like there is to everybody. She's obviously a special girl. But yeah. there's something else special about Bo to him that he wants her back, whether it's malicious or he wants her back to care for her. There's something much deeper for Scorus, and we don't see a ton of character development from Scorus down the line in this show, but eventually it's got to come up. Right, well, and it's I really think that Scorus and Winter both think that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, oh, 100%. And that's the, the thing about Scorus where it's like, you kind of have to respect that he's honestly working and using all of his resources to do what he thinks is right. You just can't respect the fact that... What he thinks is the right thing to do is just so incredibly not okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, remember, and, and this will come up later in episode three, not to jump on it too much, but for Scorus, this is about influence, not money, not Yeah, he has fame, money. Not whatever. He's got all that sort of stuff. So when you're talking about influence and power, the motive is different than if it were just something simple like, oh, he wants money or, oh, he wants this new job or this new award or whatever. It's not about that. Like, it's so much grander than that to want something like influence or power because it's such a huge idea. How do you go about getting that? you got to do some crazy stuff, especially in this case. Absolutely. So, yeah. I don't know. I, one question for you, Courtney, that we haven't discussed on the show in the, in the ensuing episodes in 5, 6, 7, but since we're on episode 1 and 2, I've always been interested to know, if you had... Bo's powers for a day, let's say. Oh, gosh. What would you do? Oh, oh and disclaimer, you can't do anything bad to me. Well, then I got nothing. Okay, that's fine. I no, knew you were going to say that. No, no, no. I, you know, I don't know what I would do. I would like to think that I would do the same types of things that Bo does. Because, you know, I, I would like to think that I would have the... The goodness in my heart and sort of maybe the naivety, I guess, you know, versus being super jaded and kind of harsh and bitter about things, you know, to just sort of try to, like, leave a little bit of a mark of goodness for those around me that, you know, clearly need the help. I don't know, though. I mean... That's a very uh, professional, nice, cute response, but it's the wrong answer. Is it? What would you do? The right answer is you would use your telekinetic abilities to make burritos at Chipotle that get magically delivered to your house, and you could eat Chipotle burritos every day without having to leave. But I have you to go get my Chipotle burritos every day. <laughs> Funny girl. No chance. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I, I think we all want to say that we would do what Bo would do and we'd want to be nice or something, but wouldn't it be tempting to, like, cut corners a little bit with it? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd probably go to the casino also. <laughs> But then I would use that money for good things. Okay. I would like to think. <laughs> you would. I, oh, I mean, how can you know? Yeah, I mean, they don't give people like me powers like that because clearly I wouldn't do what <laughs> Bo would do or I would have that power. You know what I mean? I, I just, I would love powers like that for a day. It would just be so much fun. What would you do? I, I'm, ser Chipotle, I'm serious about you, the Chipotle <laughs> thing. I would literally have Chipotle. I, I would, I would have them, if I could only have it for a day, mm -hmm. I would have them make like four or five burritos. 
and then just magically deliver them to my house. And I would eat one like at lunch and then one at dinner. And then I'd, ha- I'd have three in the refrigerator and it would last me another day or two. You know, I mean, I can't make a hundred because they're going to go bad. So if it was just a day, give me a few burritos. I'm a simple guy. I don't need that much. Just a bunch of Chipotle burritos. That's pretty much it. Well, if you're listening, then keep that in mind. If you're watching, then you know why I say that because yeah. So you if know you want to send me a Chipotle burrito, my address is no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to be giving out addresses. Um, <laughs> just Chipotle burritos. Just Chipotle burritos. Um, or whatever else. I mean, uh, the brand doesn't matter. I guess it's just the idea of a burrito. Oh, it matters. Right? No, it no, does. No, it it matters. does matter. Let's be honest. Um, all right. So you do have predictions, though. We are going to do a little bit of predictions. So let's run your prediction. All right. Well, my prediction. Has to come after the predictions music. That's true, that, it does. So, so my prediction is we see the blue butterfly when Bo and Tate meet. And I, I think that that's super significant. I'm not sure quite how yet, but I feel like in some way maybe that's uh, the thing that connects Bo and Tate. Maybe that, that some way symbolizes Nina because, you know, that's that's how they come to exist together because Tate and Nina and now they, you know, don't have her. That's I mean that's really my only prediction because I've you know seen the first. Seven no, it's episodes. interesting, and it's it's. I, I think you're right about that because the butterfly motif, the theme, is going to keep coming up. It's obviously important, um, and it's a good call about Nina and the butterfly. So I guess we'll see. I hope it's her. Well, In some fashion of you know symbol sim symbolism. Thanks. You're very that's welcome, the word. guys. That's it on the show today. We do have one big question for you guys on the way out, and it's a very general question. So if you're on Twitter or YouTube, we're going to do social links in a second. But here's the question. If you at home, if you had Bo's powers for a day, what would you do? We want to hear from you guys. So, social links. Courtney, they're going to tweet these answers to you. Where can they find you on Twitter? At Cohen, at C-O-U-H-E-N. C-O-U-H-E-N. That's easy to remember. First three of your first name, first three of your last name. You're the first person to figure that out without me explaining it. That's actually pretty embarrassing. For everyone else. Yeah, for everybody okay. else, yeah. <laughs> and I am at Bobby DeMuro, just my name on Twitter. So seriously, tweet us, guys. The question of the show, the question of the month maybe is, if you had Bo's powers, what would you do with them? You can only have them for a day, but tell us, what would you do with her powers? That's it on After Buzz, the Believe After Show. For our episodes one and two, our look back, I guess, remember to subscribe to us on YouTube and or iTunes, wherever you're at. We love good ratings and reviews, so if you want to rate us well, we thank you very much for that in advance. And even more importantly, we want to hear from you guys. So feedback, comments, whatever it is, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or wherever, reach out to us. Talk to us, debate us. We want to hear from you. So that's it for Courtney. I'm Bobby. We will see you guys next time on the Believe After Show. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later! later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.